Joe likes to have the music rolling uh, as we as we kind of get into this. this it, is, it gets me in the mood. It gets him in the mood. I uh, came here in the mood. <laughs> <laughs> so um, some good good stuff. I make some beats. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's not all you're making over there. Yeah, this is what I do at like six o'clock in the morning. So um, Sensei Joe, welcome. It's nice to be here. Stephen Knapp, welcome. <laughs> Hello. Wonderful to be here. Thank you. Um, this is the Art Fight Podcast. And boy, do we have a fight today. <laughs> a fight made of art. Yes. A fight compelled and driven by art. It's kind of perfect. It's wonderful. Yeah, art this is a fight. This might, this might actually be the, the most definitive sort of... We're always sort of looking to kind of balance out... Because we'll talk to fighters that, you know, maybe have some creative sort of pursuits on the side. Mm-hmm. And then we'll talk to um, creative people that maybe have some martial arts pursuits on the side. Um, but I feel like you're sitting right in the middle of, like, uh, the spectrum here. I, I can't say much about it, but yes. Yeah. There is a there is an art fight going on in Stephen Knapp's life right now. And yeah. That's all I can say. That's all you can say. That's all I can say. You know what, though? It's always cooler to be the person that's like, hey, I'm here to talk. But I'm just here to talk. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That's good. Uh, but yes, yeah, so, but, but high level, right? Like, uh, right. let's just start somewhere because you have a lot of context to sort of fill in. Um, you know, Sensei Joe, everybody knows Sensei Joe. Sensei is a, a songwriter, uh, an artist, um, photographer. I love it. Um, and brilliant writer and all kinds of things. And so we don't need to talk about all of those great things that Joe is all the time, which is what we usually do. Wonderful. Um, Mostly. We just talk but, about But me. you have, you, you know, you're, you're one of these people that's like a almost like one of like a like a russian doll or something like it's like every time you peel off a layer there's another film there's another project there's another thing and so i appreciate the compliment i've never been called a doll before <laughs> you're 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 just a doll i'll take it <clears throat> uh no but um but uh but you know so uh and i can take it from the top here in terms of just saying that uh we were i, I was at the nashville film festival <clears throat> nashville film festival and ran into you uh, and I think we were doing something that is called, uh, what do you call it? Networking. Networking. In a contrived so setting. Was, this, was it at this year's film festival? Yeah. And did you, had you guys met before? We had seen each other on Instagram. Oh, yeah. wow. Uh, you know, like he the, likes all my shirtless this photos. Was, <laughs> this was IRL. I just had an IRL, IRL moment. <laughs> you know, what's funny, though, about that uh, is that you call it networking, and I'm using the air quotes, right? Yeah, yeah, I hate right? that term, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, in the music world, and I don't know how much, like, velocity you have between the film world and I'm more music music than film yeah Yeah. okay so in music it's like that's not networking that's a hang that's a hang yeah good hang thanks for the hang man (laughs) appreciate it yeah so um one thing that happened that was of particular note at the Nashville Film Festival right around the time that we met this has nothing to do with what we're going to talk about today (laughs) is uh we were sitting at a table and we realized we've been we've been sitting at this table for about 30 or 45 minutes and uh and there was a like a vape cigarette thing whatever mm-hmm. like a vape tool mm-hmm. that had just been sitting there and I was like is this anybody's they're like no and I was like I can't remember did you take it and you know those things are kind of expensive right <laughs> and I'm like, what, what is going on here like somebody just left this thing and, and I don't know I just decided I wonder what's in it <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I found out <laughs> and uh, what was it was it like flavored mist what's in the pipe what's in the pipe I'll just tell you this Immediately, 
I really started to understand freeform jazz <laughs> and a lot of other complexities about my childhood uh, and like a lot of things. Very introspective. Was it really cigarette. Really good? Yeah, it was a very, <laughs> it was a very introspective. It was a cigarette. very wise cigarette. It was a very wise cigarette. Uh, but anyway, so but the, the film festival then was you awesome. Just had to have a pizza. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And so, uh, but the film festival was awesome, and and uh, and it was good to be able to run into you there. And uh, he also at the time, and the other thing I noticed too, uh, I was like, this guy looks like a guy that would be on our podcast because a he's a filmmaker. This and B, guy <laughs> looks like a guy. Right, yeah, looks I, like, I just you, got profiled. You got, you got, you got a, fa- a face for a podcast. but he's wearing a uh, Music City boxing shirt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was like, I wonder if this guy's a combatant of some kind. I wonder. And then I found out. I try to be intellectually combative yeah. more than physically combative. But it's but I think what, that's what we're wrestling here with all the time is sort of the the commonalities of, of mm-hmm. what all that really is. Well, you know what they say about boxing, right? Uh, they say that boxing is a thinking man's sport. Yeah, Did, have you heard that before? Yeah. You can't just go in there throwing blows and throwing haymakers. You're going to tire yourself out, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. One of the things that I I did box for a while, just you know, not even like boxing, boxing. I trained, not even right. real boxing. But, uh, you know, one of the things that I learned in there was that, you know, it's not most fights end in the first 30 seconds mm-hmm. because, you know, you generally, you know, a bar fight or something like that. They these guys are drinking beer. They they're too exhausted to fight. They're right. not t- they're not like worried about how yeah. they're tucking their chin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, keep your elbows in. Nothing <laughs> right. like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, but, and uh, there's five people breaking it up immediately and you, you right. really get a good shot right. and you probably won. Quote unquote. I, I would have <laughs> yeah. won if you hadn't been holding That's me right. back. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, um, but like boxing in general just has a, a sort of like wonderful little metaphor to just anything creative and art and things like that because art is a struggle. It is a fight for sure, and yeah. that's the way that that's probably what attracted me to even that sport. I never grew up like oh boxing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my old friends from when I worked at uh, News Channel Five uh, turned me on to it, and it just kind of like yeah, this feels right. Is that where the t-shirt came from? It is. I I, I trained over at Music City Boxing uh, a couple years back. Where is that? Is that That's a right over here. It's, it's up the street. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, Music it's City Boxing. Okay, cool. Justin and those guys, they're great guys. Uh, yeah, that's I need cool. to reconnect with them. Yeah. And that's still, that's over here in West Nashville still. Correct. I think it's off like 51st in yeah, Kentucky cool. maybe. That's cool. Yeah, it's just like a mile away or mm-hmm. less. Pretty awesome. Yeah. So, and then uh, how do you, like, I, I don't, uh, have you been able to sort of, experienced that enough to sort of when you were experiencing your training were you also sort of correlating how it relates to sort of your creative struggles and were you tying that together in any way or were you feeling like well this is really just kind of ventilation or I think at the at the time whenever I was training I was like this is terrible because <laughs> 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 boxing and training is no joke <laughs> and um, you know I think uh, over the years I, I moved away from that into running and running hmm. is what really sort of like answers that question a little ah. bit because it's very much a challenge not so much of the rest of your body but uh uh, it's a challenge of the mind. It's meditative. You only have you and yourself to carry you forward yeah. when you run. And depending on how far you run or how fast you run or how intense you run, uh, sort of is, is a metaphor for what is going on in life. Mm-hmm. So for, for people that are uninitiated into the, the magic powers of, of Stephen Knapp, like how do you, when, you, when you're doing like a, a bad quote unquote networking event no I guess uh, like hang 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 how do you um, I take my headphones off and I silently take my water <laughs> <laughs> it's like thank you 
I smell networking. Uh, no, I guess, you know, when you, when you first uh, foremost identify as a, um, a filmmaker. Mm -hmm. And so to give the people that are listening and be advised that it's millions of people. Wonderful. So be mindful. But um, uh, wh what are your focuses or what have been your sort of high and lows of what you've been able to achieve with your, your energy that you're trying to maintain by beating up things? <laughs> uh, so as far as um, filmmaking goes, you know, we had, uh, you know, I'm relative, I've, I've made lots of short form content through my company. And that's something I know that you guys are familiar with, you mm -hmm. know, short form. A film is different. A film is a marathon, very much so. And, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I'd probably say 95% of filmmakers are independent. That's just, you know, out of my, I just pulled that out of somewhere. But Because no one will have allegiance to any particular filmmaker for the amount of time that it takes to get anything done. Well, I have I have witnessed that. <laughs> All right. I have seen friendships of 15 years dissolve uh, yeah. over over a film. Mm. And it's, it's quite sad. Um, but, uh, you know, like, so I sort of made my career doing short form content you know that's entertainment content advertising content live event content that's like behind the scenes stuff for labels that's commercials social media content which i you know i think uh in 2011 when excuse me i started my company in 2008 in 2011 as sort of uh when i started doing that branded content i don't know how many people were doing branded content then yeah you know it's like here you have an advertising agency and you can kind of use this aspects of filmmaking to start telling stories that revolve around the brand mm -hmm. and uh you know with that turned into by chance um a five-year relationship with stetson uh the boot huh. company and roper apparel western wear company and that has turned into relationships with um you know the national cattlemen's beef association and just all these other <laughs> wonderful people all these under wonderful uh, people um so as i was making that short form content content and getting established like that <clears throat> You know, I looked for these opportunities mm. to actually create a film about something that I was into and, and things like that. Maybe they paid for it a little bit. And, you know, there was a lot of creative collaboration going on. Mm. And that was uh, the Nashville and Harmony LGBT chorus. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know those guys? So uninitiated. Okay. But this sounds incredible. But yeah, no, it was good. Um, you know, basically, uh, this is a great group, about 120 people. They're uh, they're a chorus and they get really touchy if you call them anything else but a chorus not uh, a choir not a choir <laughs> choir has religious connotations and this, uh, is, this mm -hmm. is a chorus mm -hmm. um, and basically they were doing they were in their 10th year and uh, they needed to tell their story and you know part of it to be documented part of it to you know for the merch table and things like that um, but you know, through that process, I really, you know, it took about nine, 10 months to do that film. And that was a process. I remember. Was it a feature length film? It was 30 minutes. 30 so, minutes. Okay. You know, yeah. it's so a, a big short. It was a big <laughs> short. It was a big short. Uh, I try to, I try to give people more than, more than what they pay for. Right. And, and also every 30 minute film used to be a four hour film. Mm. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. Um, but yeah, you know, the great chorus, they started in like 2000. Uh, oh, I can't remember when they started. I'm sorry. That's incorrect. But uh, the, the wonderful thing about them is that they're amateur, but they sound professional. These guys have sang with the Nashville Symphony. These guys have wow. backed up yeah. opera singers at the Skirmerhorn. They're it's like ridiculous, legit. you know, in Nashville, it being such a music place, I was uh, at a, a concert at the Ryman one time, 
and they started doing uh, You Are My Sunshine mm-hmm. and basically asked the audience to sing along. Mm-hmm. And great. it was insane. It's and wonderful. I was just suddenly like, oh, right, I live in Nashville. Yes, because Because everybody can sing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, not everybody can even, sing, even if but you, man, lots of people can sing there, here. There's like a spectrum between yeah. sing and carry a note. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I am yeah. on the carry a note side. Yeah, but <laughs> people were, people can sing in Nashville. So it's, it's there's so much musical talent. It doesn't surprise me that they're actually amazing. Right. And I, you know, I, if, if the quality of their product and that's, you know, to, thanks to Don Schlosser and their musical director, um, uh, Bob, uh, you know, I wouldn't have found it as maybe attractive to do like, yes, you're paying me, but you know, I'm just not into it. This was a case where it was like, ah, you guys have a budget and there's work to be done and I'm into the content and you guys are really good and everybody's happy to be doing this. It was great. It was a wonderful experience. So that project ended up getting accepted to the Nashville Film Festival in 2015. It screened as part of the Tennessee Shorts uh, mm-hmm. uh, feature, uh, Tennessee Shorts competition, where we were uh, a finalist for the Audience Choice Award, which was a wonderful honor. That was literally my first independent film. You know, it gets accepted to a, a, a an Academy Award qualifying festival, and yeah. you get recognized. I'm done. I can't yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not even going to do number two. I can't believe that. I can't believe that my film that it just was in the Nashville Film Festival this year. I cannot believe that it's not going to get an Academy Award. <laughs> I was. Yeah. I really believed that I was one of the standouts in the exper- in the experimental shorts. Well, you know, uh, segment which is really I think it's where incredible. everything's going, man. Right. <laughs> well, you know that there have been Academy Award winners that have screened or even originated from NAF, right? Mm. Brian Owens and his screening team over there, they do an amazing job. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I screen films for them as well, but they do mm-hmm. an amazing job. Of, so I should probably be more yeah. proud of being included in the festival to be, because I'm sort of an, uh, uninitiated, right? Like, yeah. I don't, I, it's all new to me. It's, uh, uh, I think it's a big deal. It's a, it's a prestigious <laughs> honor to be in the Nashville Film Festival. And, you know, there's a, you know, I've, I've learned so much as far as like entering that world of film, which is different from like your commercials and your creative agencies mm-hmm. and your, you know, mm-hmm. like, Film is its own beast. Yeah. And you go into the film industry, into a film party or whatever, it is its own beast. And it is very uh, hierarchical. Yeah. So, you know, you're always striving to be more and better and bigger mm. than these guys and compete on a level of all these different things. And, you know, music is, you know, music, we're just trying to hang. We're not trying to compete with anybody. <laughs> yeah, here we go. Yeah. Like, I don't have the, we don't have the, we're too high to network, man. Can we all just survive being in each other's company in public? Yeah. Right, right, yeah. right. This is weird. Right. <laughs> no, I just noticed that film is a very, is a very competitive industry and mm-hmm. I, uh, I don't have a lot of filmmaker friends. I have my co-producers yeah. who are like my people, yeah. but yeah. then it's like, you know, if I think you're gonna kneecap me, yeah. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna hang out with you. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean that's. It's good to know because I've. I feel like as an outsider to all that, as mm-hmm. sort of a, a newbie, I would say to all that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I never. Well, all the things I've ever done in my life, I never set out to adopt some persona or to be a part of some group or something. I'm just right. making the shit that I want to make. That's the trite and true path. Yeah, and yeah. just like, and then, you know it occurs to me like, you know what? There's kind of a film here. Okay. So I'll make that a film and then, okay, I'll like, how much is it going to hurt to submit it to some film festivals and then Mm. just kind of see what happens. Is that literally what, how you came about? Okay. Awesome. I'm not, I'm not, I mean, as much as I am a filmmaker and I do a lot of 
cinematography primarily obviously with drones and other things but like i'm not um i don't really when i'm around situations like that i can really feel that i'm not one of them right and, and, that, you, and not in like an, i don't mean that in a reductive or sort of otherness kind of way just i just different. mean like i'm just like i'm mm. not i'm not wearing the clothes or i'm not in yeah. the persona or i'm not in the mindset of all of the things that they're concerned about i, I don't really care about. i have some concerning news for you oh god based on that statement <laughs> and it might it might be i don't know how you're gonna take this but this is a diagnosis and we're only like 15 minutes in i know i know my yeah. my diagnosis is that you might be you just might be real. Mm. <laughs> oh, I said it. Get, yeah, and guess what happens when you're real? You don't uh, get paid. <laughs> but that's too okay. Real, too no real. one invites the real people to the party, Brian. Sorry. No, but I mean, too real. Too real. <laughs> Everything I've ever done is by happenstance and just following a muse. Mm, same. Yeah. And it's interesting to sort of go, okay, now I'm going to kind of operate in this realm. It, there's like, you know, there's a lot of talk and, and um, you hear this among sort of people that are in the kind of careerist kind of mentality. Um, the term sort of imposter syndrome has really oh, actually yeah. started to kind of make this sort of strange sort of surfacing uh, really only relative to the corporate world. I don't know if you've kind of captured the zeitgeist of uh, or I've heard the, the phrase. I've heard the phrase. Yeah, I've heard the phrase, but you know, <laughs> I feel like the, the, the people that are super corporate mm-hmm. are starting to really identify or, or sort of pull this in. And I think it's a really interesting thing that it's kind of made it into that realm because uh, I've been nothing but an imposter. I, I'm like, I'm a master of the imposter syndrome, which is like <laughs> basically the way you do that is you say, I don't give a shit. And, yeah. I, and I think that, you know, I don't know, like it's not, I, I, it, we're getting, this, this is opening up a huge thing, but there's two there's two kinds of people in every company. There's there's the kind of person that identifies and gets their sense of self from their position and their role mm-hmm. and their authority and their leverage mm-hmm. and their wherewithal within the company. I am quite familiar with that personality yes, right now. Right, and then there's the others that don't derive their sense of entirety in terms of their identity. It's and just a job. It's, you know, but I mean, you can still, and that's the tricky part is that you can still be really passionate and really uh, perfectionist or really intent and really focused and really productive and make it all mean a lot yeah and but it's diff the difference is like if i'm working really hard on something and you say man this is just really missing the mark uh we can't use this or this is a failure or you know this didn't succeed or whatever i just look at it as like this creative sort of iteration of something that i did the best i could with the information and the experience and all the things that i am and have mm-hmm. and it just didn't work out that way and i'm not like but my my sense of self my right. like that feeling in your chest of like a criticism is not like it's not directed at me so i right. so, so i have this objective ability to sort of go okay well, what, what do we need to do to make it better or, mm-hmm. or whatever? But you get on the other side of the spectrum, which is honestly the majority of the people in the corporate world, mm-hmm. I feel, are people that like, this is their nine to five, but this is also like, it's on their business cards. It's how they relate to people. Their titles mean things. Like mm-hmm. like little qualifiers in their in their titles mean things. You like, know, like in, uh, the junior or the senior or yeah. the VP or the, yeah. you know, like, EVP right. or like whatever it is like these things really deeply matter to some people they do and you know it, being an independent person and an independent creative um, you know you have a company I have a company um, do you have a company I am a company you are okay so we're, in the, we're in the same boat he's actually about to buy us both out <laughs> good good, um, good. I've been looking to sell for a long time good, good. Um, uh, <laughs> you know you sort of when you're networking air quotes again you still have to play by some of that a little bit. You know, if you're going to be a professional creative, you still have to know how to relate to people, right? Mm. And I think that um, 
the best way to relate to people is not by what your title is on your card. Mm. I have a title. My my grandiose title is producer slash creative director. Mm. It's ambiguous and vague and mm. pretentious. Yeah. But to you know, if I'm talking to a corporate client, they don't want to just be like, "Hi, I'm Steve." You know, yeah. they don't want the person. They want the they company. want the title. They want the card. Yeah, they want the role. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. You know, if you think back to Tommy Boy. The guarantee. They want the guarantee right. that there's going to be something there, right. that there's more than yeah. just you. Right. Somewhere between Tommy Boy and American Psycho, like Hollywood is completely mapless territory. <laughs> totally. Uh, the corporate psychopath. Yes, 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 yes. Um, but, uh, you know, you set, you have to play that, you have to walk that line a little bit. And I think that's, mm-hmm. you know, going back to what you were saying about networking and hanging and identity, I think that is something even in my own career that somehow I have been able to walk that rope to the point where, mm. you know, I'm working with corporations like the chamber has worked with me before the chamber right. of commerce. And, but yet I can still yeah. show up with the band and have beers and hang out. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know if that's and, me and you're or deemed whatever. like a sort of a professed sort of leader of Nashville, right? Like, and, and, and I was nominated last year. I was a finalist for Nashville's emerging leader awards. Uh, and my good friend, Tim gray over at grayscale marketing received it. And then this year, was a second year finalist uh so again this year they felt it's so badass uh I, they felt these, me worthy to, yeah, to come these back things and be mean nothing that. but they're also very nice yeah yeah you know at the end of the day no one cares if you're uh, uh an emerging leader award but they care how you treat people and they care if you're right. respectful yeah, and yeah. honorable and integ- right. integrity it's like hey you're an emerging leader well hey talk to me when you're actually a leader <laughs> <Yeah>. right <laughs> hey you know, tell me when you're done emerging right yeah. right, 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 right. <laughs> You know, it's it's for fun. <laughs> uh, no, but I just think that's like you know, I've, in whatever small ways that I've been able to sort of you know, uh, I, I have some inside uh, strings that I can sort of pull if I really need to, uh, and that string is called Joe Nolan. <laughs> um, no, no, but uh, but Joe was nice enough to sort of deem me sort of like the the best uh, drone filmmaker in Nashville for the Nashville scene. Aye, and I right. thought, you know what? That's nice. Like, Okay, was that clearly this is inside of, baseball? Best of national but I'll take 2017. It. You don't even remember this, do you? Best of I know it's, it's I your paid you, tweet. I paid, you, I paid you handily. I know. For this. I see your pinned. <laughs> I see it as your pinned tweet. Every it's, time I, it's, it's my pin. It's the <laughs> best thing. It's the best thing that's ever happened to me. It's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah, no, that we do every year. The Nashville scene does the best of Nashville awards, and myself and the other people who write, uh, you know, any of the critical content for the paper, we all just sort of. Uh, make our lists of, 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 you know, what we can, you know, whatever we basically get to make up any categories we want, you know? Yeah. Well, and so, fun. so there's, so normally on a norm, you know, like, which there, is great because it excludes no, competition. Yeah. And there's no, well, well, there's no, there's also, there's no like, like in the, like the reader awards have things like best art gallery or something right. like that. Right. And, and, you know, the critics might sometimes do that. I don't think I would ever bother to say this is the best gallery. Maybe I would, but I think that's kind of hard apples and oranges all over town, really. Right. But, um, but, but the best part of it is, is we do get the chance to sort of see things that are like this was really this was really well done right this deserves to be recognized and i'm gonna find a i'm gonna find a way to say it's the best something so i can put in the paper <laughs> right right right. so and that was the year i believe that was the movie was uh or that was the year that you actually you had applied to the film fest and didn't get in isn't that right so I did two films in the past two years, and here's the thing: I when felt I said, like Brian wasn't getting his due. <laughs> yeah, you gotta pay your dues in film for sure. Yeah, yeah. and so yeah, I, I've, and I, I don't want to like say this is some big deal to me because I did it under the most sort of 
odd circumstances. I say it's a film, but it, I'm making basically like Koyana Scotsies of weird shit in Nashville. Like I'm not, you know what I mean? Like I'm, yeah, I mean, come on, right there, I, like, I, best I drone filmmaker. Right, 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 right. right. But like I'm, you know, when I think about like the trouble that people go through to create narrative film, and you know, just all the things, you know, uh, you know, or God forbid, uh, fiction. Right. Uh, oh God, like what a nightmare that must be. But anyway, uh, the thing that's cool though is that you you've sort of have taken the path that you know my co-producers and I have sort of started on is you know we've done documentaries and that's where we started because that's generally the most accessible to independent filmmakers. Mm-hmm. You know, you find a subject, you go collect content, and you put it together and you tell your story about it. Mm-hmm. And then I think uh, that's a great place for filmmakers to start. Mm. Yeah, I mean, really, it's kind of where I want to end. Like, I, I have no desire to do anything that's made up. Sure. Uh, it can be a construct, you know, or like these things I'm doing. You know, I, love, I love the blend of the two, like the weird interzone where it's like yeah like like there's a there's a like i'm with you when i'm working with this performance artist uh you know that i really want to have on the podcast at some Mm -hmm. point but you know and she does these sort of random happenings about town i'm there as a person that's sort of documenting it effectively each thing i'm doing i'm doing is is sort of a short film on its in its Mm -hmm. own right um and they're attached to people in place and they're tying a lot of things together or at least being associated or married to some sort of larger story um but i think that uh you know, for for me, it's like, uh, you know, th- th- that's the space that I want to be in. And the farthest I want to go to towards fiction is there's this happening that I know is going to happen. I know generally what's going to happen, but I don't know entirely what's going to happen. And I just kind of follow along and I hope I get the shots. And it's just me and I don't have any fancy gear. You know what I mean? Mm. I mean, I have, well, okay, I say I don't have any fancy gear. I have a very... I, I see an octocopter over here no, to my it's, right. It's not, an, it's not an octo, okay, first of all. Uh, but God, that would be awesome because the, the beauty of an octo is that propellers can fail and they will mathematically re sort of adjust to then keep itself going ah. uh, this one just has four so if one thing goes south then it's over wow. uh, and I have crashed a $6,000 drone and that is a very bad feeling uh, <laughs> but anyway but in terms of like cameras and stuff I use the like cheapest anything I can get my hands on you know I don't what, care man? about any like the, the the cheapest shit now is amazing right totally I yeah. mean like um, you know the what do they say? The best camera that you have or the, what? The best camera is the one that you have on you. That's right. Mm. Uh, I've literally done stuff where it'd be like, wow, what, what, what camera are you using? And I'm like, Nikon, little D7000. We got good light, but it's a, you know, it's a, it's more about the lighting and it's more about the way that you use it and mm-hmm. the way that you uh, mm-hmm. adjust things and manipulate them into the story and the film that yeah. more than any camera. Now, you know, if you're making a Hollywood film, of course the camera counts because there's, you know, you standards, standards, you know, you yeah. pay your 15 bucks for that ticket. You want to see a very crystal sharp picture. Mm. But, you know, you think about like um, the Blair Witch Project, which I believe is the the most successful independent film that was has ever been made. Wow. You know, I don't think I knew that. Yeah. I mean, they hugely influential, hugely influential <laughs> uh, is like, you know, it's like I'm a, so scared right now just right? talking about it. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, I love you, mom. <laughs> I think they shot at the <laughs> wait movie is terrifying it's, ter- it's terrifying it's ter- and it's terrifying because it's shot documentary style verite right. style you're there in yeah. the moment yeah. I think they used a little 8 like millimeter 
camera tape or a VHS-C tape on it. One of the reasons why, to me, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is so crazy is because it's totally insane, but because of the the low budget and the the shitty lighting and everything, Mm -hmm. it just feels like it's real. It Mm -hmm. feels like somebody was there with a camera and this shit happened, and it's so scary. When you talk about about that, you know, you talk about, like, you know, uh, first person, second person, and third person. My dad's always like, take yourself and put yourself third person, which I love. My dad is a very, he's a wonderful creative doctor. He Mm. uh, did not grow up in a time where it allowed him to be an artist or a songwriter. Mm. But he's got it. But he's got it, right? And, uh, you know, I think concerning Blair Witch, you know, when you are in that first person Mm. with those people, Mm. you're psychologically, you're not watching it. You are in it. Mm. I don't know if you know, um, did you happen to see Bob Giordano's film at the film festival, The Odds? Mm-mm. So Bob and I are working together on a project. And is he was, Joe's big brother? Uh, no. Okay. There's, I know another guy named Joe Maybe. Giordano is a brother who's a filmmaker. Okay. Is he uh, Is he tall? I don't know. I don't know. I've okay. never met him. It could be. Hopefully. That's, that's, shout out to Joe that's Giordano. How, shout out to Joe Giordano. <laughs> yeah. That's how we're really going to know if it's the right match. Like, right, right. Is he tall? Right, right, right. right. Uh, Bob, is, Ish. Bob Ish. is very tall. Yeah. Criminal, a, criminal standards should never be this. <laughs> right, right, right. There was, a, there was a moment in his film, The Odds, where a person's head gets dunked into a fish tank violently, right? And... Um, he did such a great job of bringing you into this moment, even though you, even, even though you are second person, I was brought into that moment so much when that scene happened and you see the, the hand on the head, I, I literally went, <gasps> <laughs> and that's powerful. Yeah. That's powerful filmmaking. When you're watching something from the second person observing, or excuse me, is it the second person or third person? I can't remember right now. Um, one degree away, one degree away. And it pulls you into there as if it's happening to you. I was mm. like, ah, I love it. Yeah. Well, so my, my thing, and I don't know if this is the smartest thing or not. Um, my thing right now is I'm actually making a documentary film, many, many sort of documentary web series types of things that are very lo-fi. Uh, and when I say lo-fi, that means like to, to, to today's standards, which means that I still have like, Okay, it's a mirrorless camera that shoots 1080p, but it looks really it's decent. Great. It's fine, and then mm-hmm. I have a you know nice drone, whatever, and all these things. So, but what I'm doing though is making documentary style content for these businesses and mm-hmm. artists in a way that. But I have rules for this, mm-hmm. and it's so funny because somebody that uh, was asking me um, just from a business perspective, like, what are your sort of behind the scenes, like, what are your rules for this product that you're kind of creating to do these things? And a lot of people have done this, right? Like. Uh, be, you know, um, being a filmmaker that then captures video content on some level for marketing purposes on mm-hmm. a monthly basis. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I want to. I'm a freelancer. I want monthly income right. that I can count on, and I want more deeper, sort of more meaningful engagements with clients, so I really can follow different threads and and really build it out. Mm-hmm. But anyway, but the point is just the like for for me, like the rules were no lighting, no lapel mics no 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 one ever looks at the camera uh and talks and mm-hmm. says anything no, you're not allowed to talk about your product mm-hmm. you're not allowed to talk about your service mm-hmm. you're like all the things and it's so crazy because like all the years i've spent in marketing and all these things all i was doing was screaming all of these these thoughts and companies just wouldn't have it and then i feel like that now it's starting to finally sort of seep in mm-hmm. uh people want 
real shit mm-hmm. and, and and the more produced it is it used to like seven or eight years ago it was like well we're gonna make we can make video now because i've got a canon so mm-hmm. like i'm gonna set up some sweet lights that i got for 150 bucks and mm-hmm. that's great and you're gonna get a lapel mic it's wireless it'll be really sweet and you won't have to wear a thing and or i don't know whatever it is you know right, like, right. and then like i'm gonna get you posed on a couch with a plant by your whatever in your in the atrium <laughs> of your building and then we're gonna get you to talk about your how great you are i see you've been on an agency shoot before and no i have not <laughs> i just i just know that like that's what the bullshit is right and uh and, and also it's not even necessarily about agencies it's, it's even like the companies themselves this is like what they're asking for because they don't know any better right and, and so that's just what they think they want you know one of the things that i try to approach when i am working with clients is that um you know you are the client and i'm the filmmaker let me be your production partner let me be this artistic professional that collaborates with you and guides you Mm -hmm. and like you can tell me what you want and i can tell you yes that's that's we can do that here's the the output of that and here's what that looks like going into it here's all the ingredients to make that but i think when you try to approach things from sort of like this you know creative professional creative collaborator an expert that's there to help them create the best content possible you know you can help guide some of those decisions um uh, you know, you you have an authority in that relationship. You know, I, both of you do, uh, and your authority is that you know what you put into things, and you know how they come out of things. And so mm-hmm. that knowledge and expertise is something you should leverage when having that conversation. Yeah, with, good point. Good with point. whoever you're talking to, like uh, it's hard uh, to do that in a way that doesn't feel like you're not being accommodating, but you kind of have to do that well that's that's part of that's part of client relations yeah figuring out how can i say this without saying it and then you know but you know uh it's it's a very hard talent and it's a very thing that it's a thing that you have to learn and it takes time Mm. um yeah i wonder how far along i am (laughs) i have no idea (laughs) for me for me i just feel like i'm just removing a lot of the variables that i don't even want to be part of the conversation and if Mm -hmm. i'm if i'm presenting myself as sort of a documentarian Mm -hmm. then this means it's got to be real there's no constructed situations Mm -hmm. there's no like hey walk back and open that door again for me or like none of that shit like i get it or i don't and that's up to me right (laughs) Right. but but i'm gonna find what's important here um so so yeah and what i what i do is i you know, people don't like being on camera, but they need this content. So how do you solve for that? And also I hate that kind of shit where people are, like I said, looking you know, on a couch, whatever, with some weird fern next to them. Uh, you know, I, I just don't want to do that shit. <laughs> so, so what I do is I actually, I have them come over here to my studio at this very table and business owners sit across from me and I, I just talk to them yeah. and I just say, look, I'm just going to, and, and they, they'll tell me how they do what they do. They'll tell me what they do. They'll tell me all that shit all day. And then I'm like, no, I just want to talk about like, like what, what really got you here? What's your, what's your right. why? Like right? who, like who are you? Yeah, really? yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, why are you doing this? And, um, and uh, you know, you get some really interesting answers that you would never get if the camera was on them. I firmly believe this. Mm-hmm. So what I'm doing is I, I basically take all the, the audio and then edit a fully standalone audio piece mm-hmm. uh, with music bed and everything. Oh, and, th- and then I just use it as a shot list to go get 
what I need to get when I'm in their environment. Absolutely. I can be in and out in hours. So I can turn these things around in like a couple of days. Yeah, it's great. It's like an environmental documentary piece is wonderful. Um, you know, when you do that, you really bring people into that conversation because you are removing from the equation that observation. And observation is mm-hmm. a very powerful thing. Problematic. Uh, it's problematic. It, yeah. can, it, it can be, and it can also be useful. Trust me, I know. Yeah. When, well, I, <laughs> when I want somebody to know that I'm looking at them, that can be useful. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite filmmakers, uh, original, one of the original sort of documentary guys, this guy David Hoffman, I don't mm-hmm. know if you're familiar with his work at all, but you know, from the 60s. And he, by the way, he has an amazing YouTube channel. Find him, David Hoffman. The guy has archives upon archives upon archives of everything that ever happened in the 60s wow. and 70s. And he posts these like excerpts of amazing reels and stuff that he has all the time that's just confoundingly amazing. But, uh, but anyway, but he had this one bit where he was talking about how he actually, his tactic for getting or eliciting this sort of response out of people uh, when you're filming them is he just basically says instead of trying to accommodate them or try to make them feel at ease like oh don't worry like this is fine it's just for this or like none of this he's like no this is a big deal and this is your chance mm-hmm. like you you know yes I'm about to film you and you're mm-hmm. about to talk but this is your opportunity to show me who you are and this is for the record this is for all time it's a lot like, of pressure and so his, his sort of, it up <laughs> so his sort of jujitsu move there is to just put like all of the pressure on, right? <laughs> right? Uh, I, I am... You're, are you the kind of that school? I, I am currently that right now. Yeah. But, I admire uh, that. Yeah. But it is not normally that. Um, I have always tried to approach an interview like, uh, like you're speaking of um, and just try to be as comfortable as possible, make the person as comfortable as possible because that's, I think, the way you get the best content, depending on what your objective and your goal is. Um, the way that I try to do that with people is just by being that like look i'm comfortable yeah look we're just hanging out we're having we're yeah, having like, a hang i don't have we're, any pants on yeah no it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> i oh, wait yeah okay i do have pants on um why just, are they so uncomfortable i'm telling them how comfortable <laughs> right 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 well you know you, you filmmaking you can't you can't tell you have to show and so you have to actually be that comfortable in order to have somebody across the way from you yeah. being that comfortable whether you're on camera or behind the camera i mm-hmm. think but that in itself the whole eliciting uh thing is a very powerful thing along with the observation um, the whole th- wonderful thing about observation, you know, is, uh, if you're a quantum physics physics guy at all, yeah, no? I mean, you know, in my spare time. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, they talk about the idea that, you know, particles change when they're being observed. The universe yes, changes. The laws. The laws yeah, change. Of observation when, yeah, or whatever it's called. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know. It's, like no experiment is real kind of thing. Right, right, yeah. right. So it's just, it's very interesting when you have somebody in front of you, and even though they're being observed, how you can sort of just use your presence and use your person to get whatever you need elicited whether it is a high high pressure like your friend <laughs> right, right. or we're just trying to hang out and just have a conversation so you're you're i'm getting the theme here that you're just kind of all about the hang um you know i'm, I'm a pretty laid back you like the hang i'm a pretty laid back person uh generally and uh, i think i would rather be playing than art fighting personally <laughs> right yeah well you know um <laughs> Sensei Joe is the only person I know that just never seems to have any problems. He just seems <laughs> to have it all worked out because I, I never hear Joe say, you know, maybe he's just humble and, and not a complainer like maybe I am or something, but it seems like Sensei Joe has a pretty fight-free life. He, he practices martial arts, but he's not, uh, I, don't, I don't sense you have any problems right now, Joe. Like, what's going on with you? I'm mostly the might 
this week has been a struggle. <laughs> this has been a scheduling struggle this week. Because the coffee shop behind the studio was closed? Yeah, last, last week, week. Last week, the coffee shop wasn't open. <laughs> Let's start there. Uh, <laughs> that's where it began. That's uh, where it began. No, this week, the biggest, the biggest problem has just been juggling stuff. You know what I mean? Things are good. Things are good. I'm having a pretty good summer. But, but I also am like sort of entering into like just like overlapping busyness like I'm like literally texting people while we're doing this because people are I'm driving to Memphis tomorrow so it's yeah. like there's just a lot of things going on but I think I'm I'm actually by tomorrow I'm gonna be sort of like okay got a bunch done this week mm-hmm. feeling good about it this is what I'm saying the, guy, <laughs> the guy's got like he's got it like where they say like you know when they uh, there was actually one of the fights this weekend there was one of them where they came I forget which fight it was but when the fighter came back to their corner and in between rounds was saying that they had been that their opponent had been greasing. Oh, I don't, I don't yeah. remember that. And I don't remember who it was. But I was just thinking, like, that's what ah. you're doing in your life. You're kind of greasing. I'm like greased up. Like nothing sticks. sticks to you, man. I just like slip. I just like yeah. I just like what. There's a thing that in wrestling that you do. I think they call it limp arming, where you're sort of like you're in a clinch and you've got like like a lot of times it's like you have, you have an underhook where your arm is under the other guy's armpit basically, and he's like squeezing on you. But then if you just relax that arm and just sort of swim out of it, <laughs> then you can just free your arm up. And I'm just in constantly limp arming the <laughs> world around me. <laughs> <laughs> is that the same move where like you because you see a lot of these guys when they have that that position like up against the cage or whatever uh, they'll just drop their legs and try to like slide through the bottom yeah, you notice that is yeah. that similar is that, that similar? So, yeah it sounds like a <laughs> similar part of the thing. limp arm it sounds like that's like limp torso <laughs> <laughs> but it's like that yeah it's like it's like actually if you just relax and 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 pull yourself out mm. a lot of times like suddenly you know, you're, it's not. It's harder to hold on to you. You know, when you're not trying to hold back. See, so you know? that's that's the that's you, the correlation. You know what? There, there, yeah. That right there is very valid right yeah. now in my life. Yeah. The limper you are, the harder it is to hold. You. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the more you fight back, mm-hmm. the more you fight you're gonna get. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. My my mom always had a. Uh, I say had. She still has this. She's still alive. Thank God. Um, she has this saying where she says, uh, even as a kid, she would just always say, don't, like whenever there was conflict or some whatever, you know, she would say, don't let them hook your energy. Oh, whoa. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's like some Bruce Lee shit. Well, I mean, I come from, we had, we had a sweat lodge in our backyard. So there's some, there some things going on there. Um, so so uh, Brian Dillon, my energy. mom is one of the very few uh, women that has been trained by a Lakota Sioux elder to pour sweat lodges. Whoa. Yeah, wow. It's pretty can we do insane. A, can we do a, a podcast from a sweat lodge? No. No, have you ever been in a like an actual? I haven't. No, I don't. Not mean like, to, not like yeah. in some weird hippie pay me fifty bucks <clears throat> retreat kind of way. Yeah. I'm talking about like the real deal. I've been to the uh-uh. MGM Grand Spa. They got a nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you you like um you come out of a sweat lodge, it, it can be ninety degrees outside, and when you come out, there's steam coming off of you. I mean, it's 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 legit, um, and you can see who's really doing well and who's not because you, people will come out of the lodge. And they'll have like mud on their faces because they've been putting their face down in the ground huh. to try to get because that's the only air they feel like they can get wow. to breathe because like it's the only thing that's remotely cool is the hot <laughs> earth that is inside a so it's basically willow branches that are ceremoniously and very specifically built to then cover with blankets and plastic and whatever they have to like seal it and so you're in there and it's like uh, it's it's legit so, uh, yeah my version of that yeah. is being in the MGM Graham Spa steam room when you're hungover. 
Oh, yeah, wow. that's amazing. Yeah. 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 This is See, like, I've this never been to Another sacred space for, for, for fighting. I've, ne- I've never been to yeah, Vegas. Yeah, absolutely it is. We need to go there for like International Fight Week sometime. Oh, my God. Okay, so I'm going to let you know a little secret about that, all right? So I was at MGM Grand. Uh, I was out at the NFR, the National Finals Rodeo. I think some major oh, wow. fight was going on. I think it was uh, Pacquiao and... Um, oh, sweet. And I can't even remember. I think it was Mayweather Pacquiao. Mm, I think that's geez. what it was. It was December, right? Somewhere around there. Like two years ago. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. And um, little known fact, the MGM Spa has a TV in it with mm. the internal network feed. Oh. the internal feed uh watch the fight for free well not for free but uh spa pass you go into the freaking mgm you, grand so you're like chilling in the spa, watching, in the the, spa watching, watching watching like the, the fight of the century and it's like it's like happening right oh over there oh my god That's you're like, like <laughs> this cannot go past four there's rounds a great, there's a great i think pacquiao fights this week he's fighting that this guy named matisse i think on friday or saturday wow i'm pretty sure it's this it's coming up right now that's going to be interesting pacquiao's an interesting guy but anyway we can get into that later. oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> very interesting guy politician man of the people man of the people <laughs> that, that's that whole physical fight versus intellectual fight thing yeah, yeah. so like um your latest tell me about your latest projects and what you have going on so I'm working on an investigative documentary right now that revolves around affordable housing. Uh, it's called Non-Renewed. I can't really say many more else than that. It's still in production. Still uh-huh. still getting some some story resolutions at the moment. For people outside of Nashville, mm-hmm. Nashville has been booming for a long time. Right. And we have a real crisis of affordable housing here right now. Correct. And, you know. Tons of gentrification. Tons of real, you know, people being pushed <clears throat> out of communities. Yep. And, right. you, you, look know, at, you look at cities that have really done it right like as far as New York or the, I mean nobody does it perfect but no uh, in terms of mixed and affordable use or uh, mixed affordable housing uh, you know in areas of Queens and a lot of the places that have made it really possible for people to have a, a, a diverse healthy uh, ecosystem of humans that are sort of living on top of each other so important and in Nashville a car culture place yeah, and a place that's grown exponentially and so fast and sort of almost blindly with right. no real pedigree for growth or oversight or <laughs> yeah or, or absolutely or, or oversight or even just you know i'm sure i'm sure it falls somewhere between sort of uh financial gain interests and sheer idiocy um and uh, and just and, or an unwillingness to sort of even be a part of it and uh, shadiness and shadiness yeah <laughs> uh but but yeah in nashville i mean even the area where we are right now it is unbelievable what has happened like within three square miles of where we are I would right say now especially the area we are right now this place is mind-blowing right it's within with like a three mile radius around here basically these were all houses that were 800 to a thousand square foot houses that were on a third of an acre type of lots or half an acre lot really big lots really small houses and so what happened is unlike many other areas in nashville like east nashville blew up but there were so many uh craftsman homes or you know victorian homes or things of things of legitimate architecture that sort of warranted and also the build quality right because these things were actually well houses of the wealthy from a long time ago right yeah so they were built well and so they they seemed stone and brick yeah (laughs) Yeah. but over here it was all just these kind of shacks and Mm -hmm. uh you know and so for people also that don't have the context of this immediate area i mean there's there's a there's a a a prison the tennessee state prison that was built in 1892 that closed in or no 1898 and then closed in 1992 i think 91 92 sounds about right um and you know, it's been in all these movies, the Green Mile and all these things. But um, 
uh, uh, but this neighborhood was the neighborhood that people would come and live in when their family were uh, in this prison, you know, for 40 years. And they, wow, went, I and didn't they know wanted, that. And they wanted to be closer to their family. This was like the way, the way out sort of suburban at the time uh, place to be, yeah. to kind of like get a, an affordable place to be and then be, be close there to used the to prison. Be a tr- and there used to be a trolley that ran from the prison all the way down Centennial Boulevard here. Wow. Uh, and there's actually some really, I've read some great books that have described some of these harrowing sort of escapes uh, attempts and things that and happened. And the trolley was there to serve the prison basically? Uh, well, yeah, it, it terminated at the prison and uh-huh. then came through, it would come down Centennial here and then it would take a right and go up 51st to Charlotte and then okay. go Charlotte towards downtown. Wow. And it's really amazing to read about this because one of the escapes <laughs> that happened from the prison over here uh these guys basically made their own wine at the prison or whatever whatever uh fermented drink they were making uh what do they call it hooch hooch yeah they were making their own hooch and they got wasted and just figured out like we're just going to take this whole thing over and this is back in the day <laughs> back in the day i guess when you could really kind of just get drunk and be like let's just take it over you know uh, but anyway so they uh when the trolley pulled up they just basically kicked the driver out of the trolley took it over and then drove the trolley themselves down here when they were trying to make the turn to come up that way it flipped over the <laughs> like the cops went and found the tr- the turned Dang. over trolley and all the guys were drunk just laying around laughing and <laughs> like just having a good time like this is the stuff that used to go on around here that's how like wild west it was and then you know you flash forward to the last just even just just the last five years everything is converted to two houses on one lot yeah shotgun sort of tall and skinny houses which right. i you know look i have one of those houses mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in the uh, if you can't beat them join them you know uh demographic you know it was like if because if we if we didn't do it then we would never we did it three or four years ago but if we would have done it do it now we wouldn't be able to afford our own house right you know right right so like we were just at that cusp uh but so basically all the landscape of all this area has changed so much and there's not been any clear um or mindfulness about how how do you build out because I guess my point about comparing East Nashville to how this worked here is that East Nashville has all this architecture that's kind of worth preserving. So half of the houses end up being preserved in some way because they're reasonable square footage and construction mm-hmm. quality. Here, everything was just these tiny shacks. Right. And so they just raised all of them. Yeah, just and so whole blocks. The, the, the wholesale transformation that is this neighborhood is, is I think, unseen in any other neighborhood in, in Nashville and uh it's pretty intense with that yeah it's pretty intense uh and this is really the working class manufacturing industrial kind of working class uh, suburbia that used to be here is now i mean granted like you know eight years ago this was a place 10 years ago i didn't realize how bad it was but i used to play basketball here all the time and whatever you know people were like you know it's dangerous uh granted like there was a murder down the street just this week Mm. uh this that they found this dude murdered in his house mm. he'd been there for days wow uh, so there's still like stuff going on. so it's in that weird point and meanwhile there's like you know flocks of millennials uh, you know trying to figure out where the avocado toast is and like just following their phones to get there you know <laughs> yeah right that kind of weird shit is happening all at the same time uh, but man is there is no evidence of any kind of municipal or governmental or anything conscious happening to say how do we reconcile this growth and make it happen rationally correctly and and to the health of the community going forward is not happening yeah right right. it's it's hard you know and i don't i don't know the answer to that question i don't even really feel comfortable speaking on it because i don't have any answers you know um it's 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 crazy times we're in in natural as far as everybody who's moving in here and all the development that's happening and Mm. What have you learned so far from making the film? 
Um, I I can't on a say. surface level. Um, <laughs> on a surface uh, level, how about in terms of just in terms of like? Mm. I mean, have you talked to people who are struggling to f- be in these affordable places? You know, so, and you what know, is their toes? I can give you a little say bit. Say what of, you can. Uh, I mean, no pressure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so like that is all broad and touchy feely and mm-hmm. everything, and I like that. And we should absolutely make documentaries about that. This has more of a focused story oh. about some incidents that happened and the circumstances around those incidents and about what I found after Mm. those incidents and then what I did about those incidents. Mm. So that's, that's as vague as in specific as I, that's that's as specifically vague as I can be. (laughs) So, so you feel that it's, it's a pretty natural transition for you to be a creative that is uh, fueled by some sort of a charge um, that is about something that you just believe to be right, uh, something between right and wrong. Right, right. Which is really a sort of, in a weird way, that's kind of like you're asserting your assessment on a value-based sort of set of a, of things. It is a passion project. It's a passion project, <laughs> right? The thing, the thing about me that you don't know, and it was never in the informational informa- uh, stuff that I sent you, is that I spent five years in broadcast journalism. Hmm. And I think hmm. that if you can exist in journalism and broadcast n- news, um, you're pretty much set for anything else that could possibly come up because it's... Uh, it's uh, I worked on the assignment desk. So you're always handling problems, situations, logistics. With urgency. With urgency and, you know, people's bullshit. I don't know if you can cuss on here, but just like, you know, (laughs) take your bullshit out of here. Yeah. Um, And so that is an aspect of my career that has been dormant for many, many years because I've been focused on the entertainment and the advertising and the live event type stuff. And, you know, you don't have to do much digging. You don't have to have much hunches. What's behind this concert? Yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) What are they really performing here for? If you Uh, play it backwards, what happens? Right, exactly. (laughs) Let's have a panel. So so this has been nice. What's the real sale price on this item? (laughs) (laughs) So this has been nice to get back into some of that and sort of start stretching those legs again and really, um, you know, uh, it's always interesting to be the party that is under underestimated. Yeah. Um, because, you know, when you do that, and especially, and this goes back to fighting, if you underestimate your enemy mm-hmm. or your adversary, you, you're probably going to have a bad time. Mm-hmm. You need to take them seriously, no matter yeah. what. Um, but, you know, moving, moving on from that, you know, some of the other projects that we have going on are um, one of our films just got uh, taken up by Amazon Prime. It's an anti-bullying documentary, you know, figure that. Cool. Nice. Uh, I don't know if you know Zach Adams or not. He's, he's in the scene that you talked about, the, the film scene. Huh. Uh, wonderful dude, wonderful friend, uh, amazing filmmaker. He and I and several of our other co-producers have all gotten our heads together. We're working on some stuff that uh, fundraising some feature narratives, you know, all of us have all decided that, uh, you know, documentaries are wonderful and we're happy to do them. And, but we all want to go to where you're making films and you're actually making art and you're making money, hopefully with Mm -hmm. some of these independent films, if you can Mm -hmm. get them in right in front of the right distributors and stuff like that. Um, you know, and I think horror films, the one that we're talking about doing right now with Bob Giordano, um, it's, uh, it may not be real quote unquote, but, it reveals truth and that's really what art is about is revealing truth mm-hmm. i think that's what makes it identifiable or relatable or uh feel like it has some purpose so even if it's in some fantastical realm or mm-hmm. even if it's 
Tron or like whatever. Right, right, right. There's some essential. Yeah. Yeah. And the truth in, you know, a narrative film is the, you know. Are you making Tron again? We're making Tron 5. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I saw that there's somebody, uh, Neil, I don't know how to say his name exactly. Neil Blomkamp. Is that, maybe? how do you know I was about to say this? Did you, I, did you see this this morning? I saw a notice that there's talk about like trying to reboot uh, RoboCop again with him. Yeah, that's him. Yeah. Uh, he did your District 9. Yeah. Um, He's and, been doing these short movies recently that are really rad. And he did one at the film festival. I don't yeah. know if you saw it or not. It yeah, was I did mind blowing. Yeah, which I just what, what was my the name of that? Film. I I you just yeah. watch your film. <laughs> I saw that. I saw Brian's. I saw I, Brian's. Uh, Brian's doing the festival <laughs> correctly. Yeah. that is how you do what the film. Any yeah. film festival that you are in part of, you go there. You don't watch anybody else's film. You only talk about yourself. Such and, a dick. And, yeah. 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 And I mean, there were out. films before mine and after. Yeah. I just didn't. Yeah. Pay attention. Yeah. You're you're learning quickly with the film festival circuit, Brian. Yeah, we didn't get to make the premiere. We were out of town when his movie premiere but I did catch it when I got home I got right. to see the whatever they what do they call it there's a there's like you know there's like 10 films or whatever when they in the shorts they group them together a little short block yeah it's, it's, like, block. A, it's like the charity it's like <laughs> It's the like charity the, block. Right, you, you like, guys, you know what? We didn't know where to put you, so here you go. You worked really hard on this. Let's just find you a spot. <laughs> no, not Are at either all. of you guys aware of and or have you submitted to the Defy Film Festival, which is coming up in August? I know yes. Dicey, and she's wonderful. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah she's wonderful. Uh, we should get Dicey's her on great. Here. And guess what? I don't know anybody. You know why I know that? What? Because I got turned down. Oh. oh. Did yeah. I tell you about it, though? Yes, you told okay. me that you should totally enter that thing. You got turned down. And then I, I, I actively, clearly, Come definitively. On got turned down Brian art is a fickle mistress it, you know, is, it really here's is the thing. Here's what I, <laughs> but what I realized is that when, like when I got the email that said that I had been rejected duly for this this festival I thought well it is called the defy film festival <laughs> <laughs> like why don't they just call it the rejection film festival <laughs> the deny film festival uh, yeah <laughs> hey but you know what though uh, you have to learn to love rejection oh I don't care mm, yeah, right. I, I couldn't right, care less okay, cool yeah, yeah. As, lo- as long yeah. as you have Doesn't that thick skin <laughs> right. you will be alright I don't that, even have uh, skin that, oh, um, wow. yeah. that film festival you for look people, very good for having no, no skin no nerves <laughs> I have no nerves no senses yeah, nothing no, yeah. no I was happy like it was like I don't yeah. care yeah. that film festival for people who don't know or people who are in Nashville it's I don't remember exactly the date but it comes up in August and it's it's basically like we were talking about these short experimental films and this is like you know that's actually the thing I seek out a lot of times at a film festival is mm-hmm. I want to see the sort of programming that I you know that I won't see anywhere else yeah. you know I mean maybe there's a, a feature or something coming up that you know I can see early or I, this might not come to Nashville but generally I want to see like the weird shorts and uh, stuff like that and Defy is basically a film festival that says that's all we show right. that's it's 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 all made up of weird stuff that's and installation I, video and right. things like that I love what she's doing with that with that programming um, you know I was there last year and there was a wonderful documentary there about uh, this. I can't remember. I think he was running for governor of a state. I can't remember which one, uh-huh. but it was like it was like he was like the underdog, right? And he and he he failed spectacularly, right? But at the end of the movie, you're like, man, how are you this way, having despite failed spectacularly and uh-huh. publicly and you're still this person uh-huh. and they brought him in there and he was a joy to talk to wow uh <clears throat> you know it's uh so yeah you know usually you know good doesn't always win mm. and that was a film that that highlighted that that this person who did not win was still an amazing person and still had every 
everything you need in order to exist in this world. Yeah. Mm. You know? Um, you know, going back to Dicey, she's amazing. She was very kind to me a couple years ago mm. during a situation, and uh, I'm grateful for her. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. But I think uh, I think you you guys are, are both right though about like it feels to me like a lot of times like something just came up recently and I don't remember exactly what the sequence of events was. There's been a whole lot of stuff that I've been working on has been like either either ending because it's not going to work or culminating because it did work right. Mm-hmm. But it was funny a couple of weeks ago like I got some kind of an email that was like really good news about something I was really excited about and I was like oh my god I can't believe that like I got that whatever it was I don't remember what. <laughs> is that important it was was well, something but then then the next thing was like something that was like the rejection letter you know uh, so yeah, it was like yeah. it was like as soon as I got the thing saying like you win then I got somebody else saying like you're a loser yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was just like hey this no, is like, it um, this is it this is we had, we had uh, my friend Jay Wall on the podcast last episode or one mm. before whatever he he was telling me about how he has a uh, he and his friends or colleagues or whatever, they have a competition, like a rejection, a monthly <laughs> a monthly rejection competition oh, where yes. they basically just put themselves in the hat for as many things as possible and whoever gets rejected the most wins. Wow, uh, yeah, that's what you gotta do. And I love that spirit because Absolutely. that's really, yeah, rejection is like, yeah. Tenacious, yeah. you know, you, yeah. I'm gonna raise the bar here for you a little bit, you know, it's one thing to be rejected by a girl or, any, or a lover, it's one thing to be rejected by a film festival. It's a, yeah, yeah. Try, taking on a passion project that's going to help a lot of people and then being rejected for grants. Now that stings. Oh, mm. yeah. Yeah, right? Um, but what I have heard is that uh, once you get one grant, mm. the rest will come in because yeah. they've been validated. I would agree about huh. that. I've gotten a few grants in my time and I think it's definitely one of those things where once you get over the hump of showing somebody that like, hey, this institution gave me thousands of dollars mm-hmm. that another institution is far more likely to be mm-hmm. like, well, we might give you thousands of dollars. Why, why did they give you thousands <laughs> you know, you of dollars? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go, I'm going to, you know, part of, part of fighting <laughs> is deception. Yeah. Right. I'm just going to go make up a nonprofit yeah. and say that they gave me $50,000 for this project. There's a certain level of fakery <laughs> right. that I think is, 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 should be employed in these things. You know, Orson Welles was, a, was a, a big, uh, was really into like fakeness and phoniness mm, and right. like what's real and what isn't in art and all that kind like of stuff. Like War of the Worlds. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's exactly. a great example. Exactly. Like yeah. War of the Something Worlds. Something fake. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like poetic terrorism. Totally, totally. And I think bringing people into the first yeah. person. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I don't know. I mean, sometimes I feel like, you know, especially when it comes to the, like, uh, the, you know, it, it's weird that like in music, especially like the industry has eroded so much, but then there's so many fucking idiots out there who basically still want to honor like all the gatekeeping and ritual that, that used to be there for this. Oh, yeah. And it's like, it's not even really there anymore. They don't even really like a, a, a big label can't even offer what they might've used to been able to give you mm-hmm. for your soul. Mm-hmm. Now they can't even do that for you. And, and all these, all these little soldiers are still fighting for the, the, mm. the big, the big, the big King the, that the, obviously the is record new. deal. Yeah. yeah. Just whatever. And it's, it's like, Oh, yeah, so you, weird you have a mahogany me. desk in a building that no one wants to yeah. fucking go in anyway. Yeah. Yeah, and right. I feel like it's one of those things. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like there's been there's been a few times where I've done things to basically uh, represent myself as right. the person representing Joe Nolan. I think because Donald Trump did that. Because if, do I that? Don't, if I don't, because if Joe Nolan approaches some situation. 
nobody's interested, right? Because right. every crazy singer-songwriter in the city would be here, you know, pleading their case or whatever. But if but if somebody else somehow approaches somebody on behalf of Joe Nolan, then suddenly, oh, well, yeah, please send that on. Oh, yeah, we were glad to get that. We'll be happy to do this, da-da-da-da-da. Because all you got to do is get past the person, and then you're in. And, you know, honestly, I would, you know, I feel like it's, I feel like if you are doing good work and you need resources, you should just go get them. <laughs> you know what I mean? We live in a time where, we, totally, we live in a time where there's maximum expression and if you are a creator, you sort of have a responsibility to create yourself yeah. and make yourself uh, and you will get noticed. I think that's true. And, and I, think, I think people right now are just consumed with like, you got to develop your brand, and which yeah. is like a facsimile. It's like David Burns said, uh, I'm just an advertisement for a version of myself. Uh-huh. Correct. I, like I feel that. like that that's where people are with the whole branding concept right now. They haven't really brought it in to a point of localized authenticity yet. And people are yeah. afraid to do that. Jim, Car- Jim Carrey said it. He's like, whenever you get to that point where you've made made yourself to this character that people you know, expect you to be, that's when you're like, you know, I can't remember what the rest of his quote is, but it was yeah. very insightful, but yeah. Jim Carrey. Oh, by the way, <laughs> by the way, I always know when to start bringing the music in when this happens every time. Once Joe Sensei Joe starts talking about himself in third person, I know that we've, we've got to shut this <laughs> thing <laughs> down. <laughs> Let me tell you what Joe Nolan thinks about that. Right, 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 right. I'm just messing with you. I do think that that we just kind of hit back onto a theme, though, that, yeah. that does seem to be coming up for us. We keep, I think this started when we had Michael Weintraub on here, who's a local photographer. Oh, he's cool. Yeah, you know him? Yeah, so yeah. Michael, when he was on here, he was the one who really sort of started pointing out that that artists are the people who make art, who do the art. And that, that you know, people who are waiting for the opportunity or for the permission or whatever, you know, to begin their work, it's like, that's, well, you're not, if you were an artist, you'd just be doing your work. You'd yeah. just be doing whatever you had to do. So it seems to be this ongoing theme where it's like, you know, if you just have to do it and you just do it, then that's that's the way it goes. There's a great uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, who's the uh, music? Rick Rubin has yeah, yeah, a yeah. great Twitter account where if if I'm not mistaken, the way it works is he erases his tweets every day. So there's only one tweet and it's impermanent. Uh, yeah, and yeah. so you just have to follow him. And then every day that he man throws, knows what's up. Yeah, he throws this stuff out there, and uh, and they're just like little like creative, intuitive little things. Kind of right? like oblique strategies. It's a lot like oblique strategies. Yeah. yeah. So so but he throws his stuff out, and the other day he threw that's this one out. Wisdom. Yeah, and yeah. he said, he said, he yeah. said, uh, take the first step, uh, take the first step uh, 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 in in any direction. We don't know where we're going yet, <laughs> yeah, or something yeah. like that, you know. And he's just saying, like, just go, just go. You just, just you don't know where you're going. You got to go somewhere, though. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know if you guys are Mel Brooks fans, but I think of Spaceballs when he says, <laughs> you what, know, what, what, are, "What are we preparing for? We're always preparing. Just go." <laughs> <laughs> I love that. No, it really is like that's that's why I just can't do the corporate world very well, even though that's what I've been doing for largely the last eight years, and now I'm recovering mm-hmm. because it's just that. It's just people talking to talk and to fill their calendars with bullshit. We better have a meeting about that, Brian. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The people that actually manifestly produce anything are only a threat to those people, which Mm. is a really... 
Uh, right. Right. Yeah, I see some hands being raised here. Yeah. But anyway, so... Uh, Steve, I'm going to go buy some Bitcoins. <laughs> <laughs> it's not plural. That's, that's like saying vinyls. I'm, I'm like, going to go buy some, some Bitcoins. And some golds. I, got, I, got some, I bought some golds, guys. <laughs> I got some golds. <laughs> golds. I would get some silvers to go in the golds. Hey, so, uh, Stephen, tell people yes, that have listened this far uh, where they can find you and what you, where, where your uh, latest hits are. Sure. If you want to get a hold of me, I'm extremely hard to get a hold of. You just go to naptimecreative.com. There's a big red button that says... Knap time. Knap time, like like knife. Yeah. There's a big red button that says start mm-hmm. a conversation. And that's right on the website. You can find me on all the socials at Naptime Creative or at Naptime or at Naptime Create on Twitter. I think the train outside is uh, so trying cool. to bleep you. This train's leaving the station. <laughs> this train's leaving the station. Joe Nolan, you got anything? Yeah, um, yeah fine. Uh, my new single, Savage Nomads, is on SoundCloud at SoundCloud slash Mighty Joe Nolan. SoundCloud.com slash Mighty Joe Nolan, wherever, however you find that. Um, and, or no, it's just Joe Nolan. And then uh, if you're in Nashville, I'm playing at Fond Object next Thursday oh, yeah. night at 7. Cool. With so, my friend Max Starks. Yeah, so it'll be in the backyard uh, at the east side location on McGavick Pike. That is so Sega. awesome. I used to play yeah. drums with Mac in a time called 2001. Yeah, Max, my Max, my friend who we do all the production for my audio stuff at yeah. the public radio together. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've known Mac for a good long time, and he's a great singer-songwriter and, uh, and a great musician, and mm-hmm. it's cool. He's one of those people that's like put it away for a while family mm-hmm. and it's kind of come back to it which i yeah. really respect i want to he i know that he was working on a uh, on a an in an in-house uh studio setup yeah. i'm not sure how far he's gotten but i keep telling him we gotta we got we're gonna release like a spoken word project of like <laughs> this stuff the the ones that we've been doing basically yeah, yeah. i'm like well, can we release these he's like sure yeah yeah so it'll be myself max starks and um uh andrew atkins will be there as well so and if you're not in nashville then what the hell are you doing you're supposed to be here this yeah. is where you can't Clearly. find a place to live that's cheap right but there's great music yeah i would be really bad for like the, the everybody can sing but nobody can chamber, find a place chamber to of live. commerce is not going to beat down my door to get their marketing strategy <laughs> together yeah. it's really unfortunate that there are this many people <laughs> talented musicians in nashville and only so few record i remember back in the day back in the early 90s when i first moved to nashville one of the most popular um bumper stickers was welcome to Nashville y'all go home now <laughs> <laughs> alright we'll leave it at that bit. hey thanks so much everybody uh, Steve we really appreciate you coming by we Wonderful. want to have you back uh, we got to find out how the things are going that you can't talk about yep thank and, you uh, and perhaps yeah. we can talk about the things you are allowed to talk about too which is great no but uh, really appreciate it man absolutely um, man thank you for having me so everybody me. find him find Joe Nolan and you find Joe Nolan <laughs> that's a mo- that's a great movie title. Find right? Joe Nolan. Finding Joe Nolan. <laughs> All right, so now I'm just gonna turn the music up, and we're out. We appreciate y'all. Whoop, whoop.